0: In the community as well. So anyway, thank you for being here, Janet. It's my pleasure. And uh, for an opportunity for us to be able to meet you. Before we dive in, though, to the care ministry, I would love for the listeners to be able to to get to know you and a little bit about who you are and uh, your family and those types of things. So if you wouldn't mind just sharing um, just, just who Janet is.
1: <laughs> Happy to. I'm a Midwesterner uh, from birth in Kansas City, Missouri area. And um, came to be here in Mooresville um, by way of Belgium. So that's a history all in itself. I
0: That brings I, a whole new <laughs> thought process when people say you can't get there from here. It, yeah, so anyway, keep going. I'm gonna, we're going to flesh that one out a little around. bit. <laughs> uh,
1: when I was uh, 16 years old, God laid on my heart to be open to wherever He wanted me to go. Right. And um, I didn't know that that would be several years later, but I did go off to Moody Bible College, Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, Illinois, and then finished up with a diploma in Christian education at Calvary Bible College in Kansas City area. And then the Lord laid on my heart, um, through some friends that were actually on the mission field in Belgium, a ministry to work among the Islamic people. Mm. And I was uh twenty-six at the time and really well in ensconced in my career and working for the airlines and enjoying that and really put up a lot of um, obstacles for the Lord to work through me in that. And I said, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for the team that's going. And actually, it didn't take long. The Lord um, opened my eyes and my heart and to say, this is where I want you to be. And so I went over to Belgium in 1986 and um, started working there with the missionaries in place. And that was probably some of the most outstanding times of my life, those two years there, not knowing that I would meet my husband, Paul. Mm. That was not on my radar at all. I was going to go for the two years and then return back to regular life with uh, as a Christian um, in Missouri, in my home there in Kansas City. And that was not God's plan. And of course, mm. his plan's always better. And so I did meet Paul. And then a uh, year after I had come home from the field. I went back over for vacation because I actually loved Belgium and the people. Um, they were like home to me, everything mm. about it. And that's when Paul asked me to marry him. And so I actually ended up together. We I lived over there 13 years. All of our children were born there. Okay. And then we came here in 1999 to North Carolina.
0: Oh, well, you said all your children, so tell us about them. We have
1: four children, and they are our pride and joy. They are uh, young adults now. And um, two of them, our twins, are married. Uh, Steve and Mike, they are 26 years old, and they are married. Uh, one lives in uh, Winston, the other lives in Durham. And then our daughters, Noelle and Megan, are older, and they are, uh, Noelle's in Durham, and Megan is teaching French in high school in North Raleigh.
0: Uh, so at least in the North Carolina area. We can get to
1: them pretty quick, and we we try to take every advantage of that as much as we can. We certainly love this stage of life with them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. that That's amazing. And I I, I know your your kids, they came through the youth ministry as I was a <laughs> youth pastor here. We had a lot of good time, a lot of fun with them. And uh, it's really neat to see them grow up and then become adults. And watch God use them in their lives um, as they're adults. So that's that's a lot of fun. So, how long have you and Paul been married?
1: Thirty-two years.
0: And so we we currently, right now, have. Um, mission team as we're recording we have a mission team that's on the way back from France they went there to look at a new work that's going on there and maybe some podcasts in the future we'll hear from that team of what all they did there but I walked past Paul your husband in the hallway (laughs) and uh, was jokingly just said bonjour to him and boy he he let a sentence out and I think (laughs) I caught maybe one word out of four years of taking French I was and it's, it's so so good to hear him speak but you you speak French as well. Yes, I do. And so maybe in the future we'll be sending you and Paul over to a work in France. I and think
1: we would love that. Yeah, we that, would absolutely love that.
0: That would that would be amazing. So, Janet, how long have you um, been on staff at Peninsula?
1: We've been on staff thirteen years, and then okay. eleven years. 11, 11 and a half years with the care ministry. Okay,
0: yeah, that's great.
1: Started that's... out as receptionist and then worked into this position.
0: Yeah, I think uh, it's one of those types of things where you start on a staff at a church, but then we start understanding your gift mix and your passion and it kind of leading into that. Would you say that was a fair kind of assessment? That was
1: exactly it. I have a ministrative background, and so I'm always comfortable with that. But when Steve, who was our church administrator— called me it was perfect timing as god's timing always is i had just i had been let go from a job only because the office was closing and it was during the 2008 crunch time when unemployment was in digit number two digit numbers and my um my unemployment conversation had run out literally the week before. Mm. And I was crying yes. out to the Lord saying, Lord, we need money actually for groceries, because at that time all four kids were at home. Yes. And um, and I just said, Lord, I know you've got something. And literally within two days, Steve called and said, I've got an opportunity. Uh, could you use it? He had no idea of mm. where we were financially or what had happened with my position. And so I was able to start as a receptionist and then add some hours. And then I took a spiritual gift gift, uh, inventory that was actually our whole congregation took it at the time Hmm. and learned a lot more about where my gifts actually were. And the care ministry, when it came open, it just was just that timing that that's where one of the gifts that I had. Yeah,
0: it just fit. It fit. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, it, it takes a unique calling and a unique personality to fill the position that you're in uh, in ministry, especially in as the culture changes and as needs change and arise and come up. It just takes a special... Uh, ability to be able to walk with the Lord and to get his discernment Mm -hmm. in working with with folks. And you have been doing a phenomenal job here. And that's one reason I wanted the church to know about not only you, but the ministry that happens a lot behind the scenes. Um, People just don't know a lot of what's going on with this particular ministry. And so I think a lot of people coming, maybe even from denominations might recognize it. We call it care ministry, but they might recognize the word benevolence right, and that's a part, ben- a great part of it. the benevolent ministry, and that is i that's what I was, was going to lead into is that's only a part of what you right. are helping with um but let's let's break it down a little bit. um Let's talk a little bit about the benevolence ministry um the 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 helping those that that are in need. Kind of talk through maybe the week in the life of Janet in benevolence (laughs) ministry.
1: It varies and it varies by seasons, but um, always open to being attentive to the needs, especially within our church family. Um, We, as you know, have a very other minded and generous congregation and church yes. family that are always thinking of others, that blesses my heart just to be a part of this fellowship. Mm-hmm. And that's one reason that we settled on uh, on coming to Peninsula twenty three years ago. I've never left just the spirit of God among the people here and their attentive attentiveness to loving on one another and caring for one another. So it's a pleasure, actually, to be in this position and have a church family that recognizes the need that there are people that have seasons in life where they are financially challenged in particular. um, And that's what we want to be here for, for our body here.
0: And most, would you say most, um, sometime in their life goes through a financially challenging season?
1: I would say most people probably do. I know Paul and I, and I think that we came through this with our family, When we moved here from Belgium, literally, um, we came with our four young children. The oldest was eight, six, and the twins were not quite three. Hmm. And we moved here with six boxes and 12 suitcases. Wow. And we started over because we felt the Lord was leading us here. And we had nothing else. Hmm. But God was our provider as always. Uh, For all of us, He's that provider. We saw his gracious and generous hand work through the people of this church just to help us get established and get Mm -hmm. going. And he has never not been our provider down through the years. And so I think that's helped me in this position because it's very humbling to be in that season, yes,
0: especially where, in the culture we live oh, in of plenty, yes. for those who seem to appear to have much,
1: it is very humbling. Mm-hmm. I shed some tears when I had to reach out to certain agencies for help for the kids and all, right. um, because we're hard workers and our church family. That's how we are. We mm-hmm. we are hard workers, and to find yourself in that place is difficult. Yes. It does hurt your pride. It it's very humbling. Mm. but then when you see that the joy that people have in helping, being the one that can come and be a channel that God uses, you don't want to take that blessing away from them. And now Paul and I can be in that position some to help um, be a blessing to others, and I try to encourage those that are downhearted, very humbled, or it's hard to say, I need help. We understand. Mm -hmm. We've been in your shoes. I've been in your shoes. I know it is. This is for a season. Don't take the joy away from those who God's given to to help in this time.
0: Yeah, and and my perception of of watching you do coordinating for families that are in need, I have heard you say a couple times that you put the need out to some people, and we don't give names out. We don't don't say, oh, by the way, this, what we just say, here is the need, but I've heard you say several times... You had to put the brakes on the response. That's right. Because there was so much response in helping. Absolutely. Um, and that would be a fun part of it. Say, Oh, thank you for your generosity. Maybe next time oh, we we've this need has been met and then some.
1: It's a joy to be in this position in this mm. in this church at Peninsula. It's just a joy.
0: Yeah, and and that's good. I I know that uh, what we do here is with intention, right? And we want to be the body of Christ as God has called us to. And the benevolence portion, not just all of the care, well, all of the care is kind of supported by Scripture, but the benevolence portion, I can think of Matthew 25, um, where Jesus is talking and, and he's kind of asked a few questions about what it means to serve and those types of things. But He's telling them um, about, uh, you know, the end times, the final judgment, those types of things, but then he breaks into kind of a parable to kind of Demonstrate um, what we're to be like. And this is in Matthew 25, and it starts at verse 31. He says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on the right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, "'Come, you who are blessed by my Father, "'inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. "'For I was hungry, and you gave me food. "'I was thirsty, and you gave me drink.'" I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying... Notice there he said, and the righteous. That's Mm -hmm. that's really a, a cool catch there. Then the righteous will answer him, saying... "'Lord, when did we see you hungry, and feed you, and thirsty, and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger, and welcome you, or naked, and clothe you? And when did we see you sick, or in prison, and visit you?' And the King will answer them, "'Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me.'" Mm -hmm. And uh, it changes the whole idea behind benevolence. You know, there's a need in a family, and then you meet that need. But it as it is as unto Christ that's right. that we're we're doing it to Him. And so we've talked a little bit about the the aspect of helping those who are part of our body. Galatians speaks to caring for especially those who are part of the body, right. and that's really you know, one of the the uses that I think God designed for the church.
1: That's right. It's a testimony. It's a testimony to our community for that we see. care for one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not only being unified in who Christ is, that in the unity, but also seeing that we care for one another. It's a huge testimony to the community. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And then in the book of Acts, you see that the first New Testament church where they shared their stuff— To be able to make sure everyone was cared for and loved on, that kind of generosity that was in the hearts of the believers. But there's also an aspect of helping those in the community, and that's a total different ballgame. That is um, for your job description. And uh, I kind of uh, I walk by your office often during the week, and um, I, I see you wearing many different hats. You know, so there's there's the caregiving for those who are a part of our fellowship, mm-hmm. but then there's the caregiving for those who come from the community who are in need, which is a total different ballgame. Let's it, talk about
1: that. For it a is when we receive a call, or someone walks. Some, sometimes they just walk in the door. Um, I'm the one that that will start working with them. Our first. Um, My first question usually is, first of all, to hear their story, what's going on, where their need is, and to be um, gracious to them. Uh, God brought them here for a reason, Mm -hmm. but also to ask if they have already been to talk Mm -hmm. with the um, case managers at the Mooresville Christian Mission. The reason we do that is because we partner with Mooresville Christian Mission, Mm -hmm. and we um, give... financially to them each month so that they can do the work they're doing among all the families that are in the greater right. Mooresville area. And they serve four to 5,000 families a year. And so we, we have given from our funding here, from our budget, to them. So that's the first question I would ask. Have you been to the Mooresville Christian Mission? This helps us in a couple different ways. The Morseville Christian Mission, because they have case managers, because they know other agencies and other ways that people can be helped far more than I'm aware of, um, that's our first step for them to go through. And then the case managers there will contact. They know that we're a church that's willing to help. We are not an agency, and that is one of the words I will specifically use with people that are coming from the community to ask for assistance. We are not an agency for that. However, on a case-by-case basis, we are happy to assist. Right. Um, and once we, we know everything is, is, um, is truthful and that there's a genuine need there, right. and then we're more than happy to help. We have uh, a benevolence committee. I do an intake with them. I, they fill out an application that is quite detailed, that helps us kind of see what's going on. To get the bigger picture. To get the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And then I will sit down with them and just talk with them, hear their story, um, try to give ideas that might be helpful in suggesting how they can help themselves even as we look into what we can do to help with the critical need. Right. And a critical need would be considered as you know, housing mostly right now mm. is what we're seeing. And that is an area... Um, in our Mooresville area, that is a need. With cost of living, um, apartment right. cost, housing costs are going up,
0: Right. and so we don't. Um, you can speak into this, but I'm just—we don't go buy a house for someone. No. we don't go. You know, rent the apartment for someone, no. but we help get them through that time with the hopes we can help them get back up on their feet. Yes,
1: and that's the whole thing. It's not to. Ha- to give a handout. That's not how I think we would be honoring the Lord God. I do not think that's what the Lord is asking, especially we want to be wise stewards of the monies that have been given Mm -hmm. from our church family. We want to be very wise. We want to be gracious, but we want to use it well. And so that's why we ask for a discerning spirit. That's why our benevolence committee um, is in prayer and uh, I turn that over to them. I do not make that decision when someone comes in from the community or it's, it is turned over to them. But I do all the groundwork, so to speak. And then because uh, they cannot be here always at, at, to meet the right, person. Right. So I'm the front person um, so that they don't have to. You know, yeah. To, so to come from well person.
0: explained, by the way, so that gives the picture that our benevolence to the community um, has a layered process. It does um, that allows us to be able to get um, that picture, and, and it's always interesting to me that there are those that, for lack of a better way of saying it, want to play the system. That's correct, and they will come at the ninth hour and say that yes. you know my power is going to be cut off today. And um, But you have done such a great job of being able to sit down with them and to, one, take the emergency out of it,
1: um,
0: to say, okay, let's look and see if this truly is an emergency, and if it's not, then I can help you with it. If it is, we can help you with it as well. but then there's that process. So we check to make sure they go to the Christian mission. Once they come here, they kind of go through the process of your interview, fill out the application. Then that application is given over to the Benevolence uh, Committee, mm-hmm. and then they review it, and then a response is given. So I think we like to have a seven-day notice,
1: right? That's correct. Is that kind of the process? There's a lot of reasons for that. Um, we do not usually turn something over and handle it within that day unless we know for a fact that this is a genuine need, and then we'll do what we can. But it also helps people just coming in off the street and just asking for cash or asking for help immediately. We don't have time to really understand And, well, we don't deep keep cash on hand anyway. We do not, and we do not give. Um, the audience might be interested in knowing we do not give to the one who's asking for assistance. We do not give any funds to them.
0: Right. Ever. It goes straight to the cause. It does. If it's an electric bill, we we have that's correct. we pay the bill or those types of things. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, so that's that's part of it. You were involved with uh, uh feed North Carolina. There's so much of that benevolence that goes in And I don't even know if we, we're going to make our listeners tired thinking about your job. That's what we're going to do if we talk about all the things. Um, if you if you list that out, there was a time when we were doing the food bank here.
1: We had the food pantry. That was a great time. All right. Um, our people stepped up and were volunteers, and I never liked volunteers. And we had the opportunity to minister to people as they came in, mm-hmm. build relationships with them. The only reason we are no longer doing that here is just because um, – we found there were fewer and fewer shoppers coming for the food pantry in this area.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so, well, that's the way a good ministry does. It steps into the need when the need is there and when the need's not. You have to be flexible to say, okay, it's time to move on to another ministry and let this ministry go. And I believe that, that's a healthy church that mm-hmm. can step in and out of ministries as they're needed. So those were just a couple of the things we <laughs> talked about. Let's talk about some of the other things that goes with the care ministry of Peninsula Baptist Church. Um, you, I don't have a list for you to do. Just kind of like bullet point them out for us.
1: Well, for example, mm-hmm. when we have a family that suffers a loss in their family to death, Um we're always open to having a funeral here if they want, but we do, And whether the funeral's here or not, we do reach out to that family with meals, and then if the funeral is here, we do take care of that funeral dinner for them and their close family that are here. Mm. And that is a very special time during grief that that family just needs to know that people are around them. Right. For, for a smaller thing, perhaps, it's just the food that they take in, but that... Um, that is very helpful to them, and then also the follow-up that we do with those who are grieving through, uh, journeying through grief series that actually um, comes from, from you to, to get out to them over the course of a year, so we minister in that way. Uh, we always like it. It's always preferable that people are um, active with a connect group here. Right, Because their connect group comes around. Mm. That's where you have the intimacy of living life together, the church being the church especially. That community
0: really shows out. It really The does. last two uh, deaths that happened in our church, yes. um, members of the connect group beat me to the people that were suffering the loss. That's right. Um, I was not even able to make a phone call before there were already people there. Um, at their side, they were and there. What, at their what an their amazing side. testimony of what the call of the church is.
1: That's correct. And again, that's where uh, the community sees that the church is there for one another and just bearing one another's burdens, rejoicing with each other when there's times of rejoicing, and just being there. Mm. Um, so that that is huge. I mean, that's preferable. That everybody could be in a connect class because that is that that intimacy within a larger church that you get to know each other more one-on-one and can interact and do life together. That's the purpose. Mm -hmm. But if someone in our church is not, is having a need and is not in a connect group, then that's where I will step in a little more and make sure that there's a meal train or something like to provide food. Um, If there's a hospitalization, that we have visits and things like that.
0: Yeah. Making sure that people are cared for. Right, kind of goes along with the job title, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> Sometimes
1: there'll be people just need a listening ear. Right. Tough times they're going through. Um, maybe they feel a little overwhelmed, or just um, just need someone to listen. Mm-hmm. And someone maybe who's been through it or can appreciate what they're going through.
0: Yeah, there's been many a times from that side of things too that. Um, I would say, hey, I'm going to talk with this individual or this family, and you were able to help me with a little bit of background um, from as simple as how long they've been attending here um, all the way up to now. They're related to this person, and they're related (laughs) to that person, and they're connected in this way, and you might also want to be aware that these things have happened in their lives. That's so beneficial when I'm going to do a pastoral prayer with them or right. to call on them in some way, um, it, it helps in that. You are also helping lead the prayer ministry of the church. We do. And so tell us a little bit about how that works.
1: Well, we do have a great prayer team, of uh, 55 to 60 prayer warriors strong, that I can put out a prayer request to anytime um, and know that they will be praying. They take this seriously, and then each week on um, Fridays, usually I send out a weekly just kind of update and a refreshing of, of what's what prayer requests are out there, and we leave those prayer requests out there to the prayer team um, for about a month at a time, unless it's an ongoing situation such as a serious illness or something like that that needs to to we continue to pray for long term, and. Um, that's been—I I, know—it's been a joy when people have called and said, "I have this. I have this need. I have this request. Um, can you get it to the prayer team?" Or I'll ask, "Is it okay if I send that out to the prayer team?" And I know that people are praying for that mm-hmm. request, and we have seen some phenomenal answers to prayer.
0: Yes, we watch. I watch the emails go by, and I see the prayer requests that are in the emails, and then the next week I'll hear a praise report, and I know that. You know, there was prayer that was offered that's, up ahead of that. absolutely. And, you know, I, th- I think, you know, we were talking about a healthy church that's willing to, you know, go in and out of ministries as they see need. Uh, another thing that makes a healthy church is a strong prayer presence in that church. And it's not because we have um, figured out the art and secret of praying. It's because we're kneeling before the Father who is in charge of everything. That's right. And we're acknowledging our need for him. And he answers that.
1: He is so faithful always, Mm -hmm. always. May not always be the answer we're looking for, but he's always faithful and he helps us to see how his hand is. He's always on the move. I always like to say this, God's always on the move. And I love it when he takes the opportunities and like pulls back a curtain a little bit, so to speak, a figurative curtain and lets you see how he's moving mm-hmm. and it's it's awesome yes. and it's delightful and it encourages us to continue in prayer because he's he's working we may not mm-hmm. always see how it is but when he lets us to allows us to see that it's there's no words for it. I'm I'm not usually one who's speechless as most of the, those who are probably listening will know but <laughs> when I see God at work and how he uh, there are no words for it. Mm-hmm. It's beyond uh, words. Just how he pulls all the details together.
0: Well, thank you for being here and helping us get a picture. There's more to your job, and uh, but that kind of gives kind of like a peep into the job of what you're doing here. Um, it's just you being here and talking and sharing your heart just hopefully is demonstrating to um, the listeners the awesome team that we have here this working with one another and helping one another out and and just the things that we do here during the week that kind of gives a picture mm-hmm. of of the week that we have here and helping us be able to work together as a team and and I laugh because your office really kind of in a way your office is the center office uh, physically like, logistically, as the center that. office there, um, but also in a way of when it comes to ministry, when it comes to caring and knowing um, who needs that meal, who needs that prayer, who needs that extra touch, that extra thought, um, you're keeping that on our radar. And, and, and you know, because if I have—if I'm working with Project A— I might miss that need that walks through, but you're able to either send an email or just pop into my office and say, hey, were you aware of this? And that's so beneficial. And, um, it, you know, if we could just get you for 60 or 70 hours a week, that would be even better. <laughs> or if we could clone you in some way, and uh, not that there's any work that's not being done, you're doing it, I'm mean, gracious, I, th- I think uh, you probably are full-time then some.
1: Wow, it's yeah. it really is a joy. It yeah. truly is, and the staff here working with this team—that's that, that's pleasurable. Mm. They are all walking with the Lord, and we're walking together, and and ministering, and then and then having our church family encourage us. And I could not think of a better ministry or position to be in.
0: And you think about that. You think you came from moving from Belgium, mm-hmm. and then having to have a job change in 2008, and yes. and going from okay, this is this is getting serious. We need something, to now working with a team and being able to minister uh, to others as well.
1: It's God's hands. His hands are all over this. His fingerprints are all over it.
0: Yeah, amazing. Well, the. I'm sure that people might want to reach out to you. People can be a part of the prayer team if they want. They can just Absolutely. reach out to you. And so tell Would them how to. they can get in touch with you.
1: They can email me at janet.demony, and that's D-E-M-E-N-Y, at peninsulabaptist.com.
0: That'd be great. And you can also find her email address on our website, com, or you can just pop in and say you need to speak to Janet. Yeah. And uh, her door is always open. Well, unless it's closed because she's talking with someone, but <laughs> always if open. it's open, it's open. And so, Janet, thanks for being here and it's taking the time really to just share it. Thank you with the, with the church uh, what goes on with the care ministries. Thank you for joining us and listening in to the episode that we had here this week. We look forward to future episodes and we hope and pray that you have a blessed week.